Good morning, Church on the Rock. I knew my favorite guy was here, so I knew I would get something out of it. Hey, my name is Rashad Cunningham. I'm the pastor here at Church on the Rock. Um, I'm so thankful for any face that is here this morning because you got the weather that hindered a lot of people. Um, even if you thought it was easy, for some people it's not that easy to get here. Um, so we're praying for those people. But also, just to come through these doors is a privilege um, to be in front of you, to be preaching. All of this is a privilege. I don't deserve this. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I didn't do anything to earn all of this. This is God, and being up here is God. And you being in these doors and, and not being, um, you know, prayfully fearful of your life or anything like that is God. You know, like, we live in a country that we can gather um, freely without any persecution from the government right now, and that's God. That's not you, and we didn't do it. So um, when I say good morning, Church on the Rock, I want you to scream good morning, Rashad, because um, I want you to actually take all of that into account that there's other countries where we can't do this. You know, there's other, there's other people who wish that they could get 10 people in one room together without dying on the way there on the way home, and, and yet here we are freely, you know, being able to be here among one another. So when I say good morning, Church on the Rock, let me say it like you mean it, you know what I mean? I'm sick, you have no excuse. All right, good morning, Church on the Rock. Yes, 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 yes. I love it. So we're continuing our, um, and if I mute myself in between, it's, it's the snot. I'm sorry. All right. That's it. All right. So, so, <laughs> so we're continuing on in our series. Hello, my name is hypocrite. All right. Hello, my name is hypocrite. Uh, people have hit me with inbox messages, with text messages and emails from other churches. Other pastors have contacted me and said, are you trying to kill your church? Like, are you, are you trying to get people to leave? You know what I mean? And I'm like, no, this is, I don't know, this is just on my heart. And this is what the, the, the scriptures are teaching. So we're going to, um, last week we, we said, hello, my name is Hypocrite. We looked at the book of Malachi, which is what we're going to be in for at least three to four months. We're going verse by verse here. And last week we saw that God opened up this heavy message, this weighted word, the burden of the Lord to Israel through Malachi, and his first word said, I have loved you. And in response to that, the Israelites were like, well, how have you loved us? And that response wasn't necessarily a verbal response, but instead a response that was shown in their behavior, their attitude, the way they were when they gathered, the way they lived day to day, said, how have you loved us? So he was like, let me remind you, I chose you for one. Uh, for two, I've provided for you. I've done all these things for you, and um, yet you still have the nerve to question how I've loved you. So he said, you know, hello, my name is hypocrite, but the, the sub points were hello, my name is short, uh, I think it was short-sighted, because we forget about what he's done in the past for us on the cross because of present problems. We're looking at the things that are bothering us today, and we're like, how can God say he loves me if he's allowing me to go through this? And it's like the cross, <laughs> like there's... The cross should be enough, but we don't allow it to be enough. And then we said, hello, my name is Skeptical, because I get to doubting things, because I'm waiting on God, but he hasn't returned yet. He was supposed to be here. It's 2019. So now I'm starting to get a little skeptical. Is this Bible stuff real? Is God real? Does he really hear me when I pray? And then we said, hello, my name is Self-Centered, because basically all those things come from us saying it's not happening on my time, it's not happening when I want it to happen, and as a result of it not happening on my time and when I want it to happen, now I'm going to start worshiping God in a very lackadaisical or maybe not even at all. So that was last week, bringing you up to speed if you weren't here. Now we're moving on, and we're going to be in Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. We're going to read the entire verse, but that last sentence there, that last question we're going to deal with that next week. I want to deal with the bulk of this verse where we're at now. So it reads like this. It says, a son, there we go, a son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am father, where's my honor? And if I am a master, where's my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? I'm going to read that one more time. I want you to take this in. A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then, if I am father, if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, 
where is my respect, says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? So um, first and foremost, just to open this up, anytime you read the Bible, even if it's that Facebook post that you read or something that somebody's like sent you in a text message, understand this Bible is written in context, okay? If you take verses out of their context, then it can mean a whole bunch of stuff that it really doesn't mean. So sometimes we would read a verse like this, a son honors his father, and be like, yeah, right. Like, in today's context, like, we see a lot of disrespect from the children, right? Like, they treat them however they want to. But that's not how the Israelites would have read that passage because there were rules in place that made life a lot different for the children who lived with their Jewish parents or their Israelite parents. So I want you to see Deuteronomy 21 real quick and let this really sink in. Listen, this was one of the rules of the culture, of the context, of the people who would have been reading this. If any man has a stubborn and rebellious son, let's stop there. Anybody got stubborn, rebellious teenagers and children and or maybe you were a stubborn and rebellious child, right? If any man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey his father or his mother, and when they chastise him, so like there was discipline first, like first we're going to try to discipline him, like maybe grounded, whooping, lost Xbox, whatever, right? <laughs> he will not even listen to them even after being chastised. Keep going. It says, then his father and mother, now this is law, this was law to, to the Jewish community, his father and mother shall seize him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gateway of his hometown. So the elders would meet at like the opening gate, this is like where they had court, this is where they dealt with all the issues of the community and things like that. So he would have brought them to where they dealt with the issues of the community, and they shall say to the elders of his city, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious he will not obey us. He's a glutton and a drunkard, or he's just bad. And then look at this. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death. What? Now, now, now let's just think about this real quick, all right? Landon, Landon, if you, look, he said, what? Why are you talking to me? <laughs> if I told you that disrespecting mom and dad could get you stoned to death, would you would you ever disrespect mom and dad? No. See, we could, we could instantly heal all the problems we have right now, right? <laughs> but, but, but think about this. Think about this real quick. Can you imagine what that meant to that community? Hold on. You mean to tell me by law? Like, it's legal? Like, matter of fact, it's a command that, <laughs> that if I disobey or disrespect my mom and dad, in any way, they legally can take me to be stoned to death? Oh, man, I ain't, I ain't never going to act up. You see what I'm saying? Like, mama wouldn't have to ask me to do nothing. I'd already be doing it. I'd be like, mom, dishes are done. House is clean. Homework is done. What else you need? Because I could be stoned to Like, this was the law so that they could remove the evil from the mist, and all Israel will hear of it and fear of it. So this, when you're reading this part of Malachi, this is the mindset. Okay, when, when God says a, a son honors his father, they like, you bet he does. You see what I'm saying? Because this is the culture they lived in. A son does, or a, a, a daughter, a child does honor their father. Why? Because they could be stoned to death if they don't. So yes, they do. We can't read this in our context and say, Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Well, it depends on how they're feeling or if they had a bad day at school. That's not how that works in the original context. I don't care how bad of a day you had at school. You better not disobey. <laughs> right? So go back to Malachi 1.6. That is the mindset when he says, hey, Israel, hey, Christians, a son honors his father. Now, when you think about it in that context, you're like, yeah, yeah, a son honors his father. And he goes on and he says, he says, and a servant his master. Yes, because there's, there's the same type of laws 
for a servant with a master as there was for a son with a father. I mean, think about this. If disobedience to my mom or dad could lead to death, then how much more disobedience to somebody who's not my family, you know, somebody who's not family, would that cause according to the law that was back then, right? Like, think about this. So, so here's what he says. He says, then if I am a father, where is my honor? I would take it one step further. If I am your father, where is my honor? Let's put it in a context that you can easily grasp. Stay up here with me. Stay up here with me. Let's put it in a context that you can easily grasp. How many of us are in a relationship right now? In marriage, just a relationship, whatever it is, whatever it is, right? Oh, okay, okay, check it out. Don't you expect some kind of behavior from your spouse, right? If you call me yo boo, <laughs> if you call me yo bae, <laughs> then you should act in a specific way that shows weight on that title, right? The word honor in the Hebrew is the same word for weight, okay? Where's my weight? If I'm father and you're my child, if I'm your father and you're my child, where's the weight on my name? Where's the weight in how you live your life according to what you call me, right? Like, we do, it, we do it in relationships right now. Brittany's my wife. There's weight in that name. I treat her a certain way because wife comes with a lot of weight, and I give her respect, attention, honor that I give no other woman in this world because she's my wife, right? There's weight with it. I am married to a wife. You're like, there's some weight in that, right? He goes, if I am your father, where's my weight? Like, like you... You get it for the earthly father, because he's looking at the Israelites who were like, yeah, of course a son honors his father. He don't want to die, right? So, so, so he's like, okay, why is it you can do it for your earthly father who is, and I want to be, be very sensitive right here. Um, some of you who may be new to Christianity, or maybe this is your first time hearing God being referred to as a father, I understand not everybody has a great example in their earthly father, okay? So I don't want to be insensitive to anybody here. My, my biological father had nothing to do with my life. So if I ever was to say, try to compare God to him and, or use him to classify what God is, it's not the same. And even if, you've had, even if you've had a great earthly father, it still doesn't compare to God as being your father, okay? So I, I want to start that. I'm not being insensitive, but, but he says, if you have enough weight in the name Father for the one who is your earthly father who has failed you, has let you down, has lied to you, has betrayed you, has come up short. If you can give weight to their name, how much more should you give weight to mine? This is coming after I just told you I loved you by doing what? By dying for you. Yo, pops, some of them was just sperm donors. You know what I'm saying? I died for you. I gave my life for you. I let go of, I, I, I emptied myself. I didn't have to. I, in humility, I came down. I clothed myself in humanity. I didn't have to. And then I was obedient to the point of death for you. If anybody deserves some weight to their name, it's me. That's what he's saying. If I am father, where is my honor? So the question becomes this, are you his child? Are you his child? Are you really his child? And we got some scriptures that help us with that. Give me John 1, 12. Look, this is how we start to examine, are we his child? John 1, uh, 12, I believe, is the scripture, Leah. Is it, is it there? All right. Give it to me right now. Boom. Yep. But to all who did receive him, him being Jesus in the context, who believed in his name, his name being Jesus in the context, he gave the right to become children of God. So in this, it says, if you've received Christ... If you believe in Jesus Christ, then you have been given the privilege, the right, because you don't, like, God don't owe you nothing, okay? God don't owe you anything. You've been given the privilege to become children of God, meaning you are not children of God when you come out the womb. You see that? It doesn't say, it doesn't say you were or you already, no, 
you are given the right, the privilege to become a child of God. You're God's creation out the womb, but you're not God's child until you receive Christ, believe in Christ, and then you're given. It's a grace. It's a gift. You are given the privilege to become a child of God. Give me my next verse. I think it's in Romans. In Romans, Paul says this. He says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Rashad, what does that mean? Well, check this out. If you have received him and you believe in him, and you're given the privilege to become a child of God, then Jesus says, I will give you a helper, the paraclete. I will give you a helper, a comforter, a tutor. I will give you the Spirit of God. Why? Because you cannot do what I want you to do without me inserting my spirit into you so that you can live that out. Let me give you an example. Adam, right now, we're talking boom, boom, bat, bat, bat. You still have no clue what's going on in my mind, right? Unless I tell you, right? But you have no clue what's going on in my mind unless I tell you what's going on in my mind because you can't read, talk, or think from my spirit, right? So, how, so God says, it's the same way with me. How can you know what's going on with me or what I want or what I will unless I give you my spirit, right? It's the exact same thing. So he gives you his spirit, and those who are being led by that, led by that, actually moved. Remember we said it, it should move you. If the Spirit is dwelling in you, it, it moves you. Those who are being led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God. Keep going. He goes on and he says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba being the Hebrew, Aramaic way of saying daddy. Like, how many people still call their parents daddy? Okay, I do. Uh, I ain't got no shame in my game, all right? Whatever. But it's, it's, it's this nurturing, um, internal, like, this, this real intimate word. Like, there's father, and then there's daddy. Daddy was like the sitting on the lap, read me another story, daddy. You know what I mean? But it's, it's, this, it's, it's deeper. It's even more Abba Father was like the most endearing, like, the term of endearment there is like the closeness, the nature of intimacy in that is deeper than just, yeah, that's, that's my father. No, that's my daddy. That's my, like, it, he, so in the midst of understanding this great king of kings, lord of lords, creator of the universe, he still wants you to embrace him as this, this close, intimate um, father, daddy. You know what I mean? That, that's, it's so amazing to take that in. And then he goes on and he says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Uh, Paul also says in Galatians 3.26 that for you are all sons of God through faith in, in Christ Jesus. So we like, we, this is where we like, we stop. We say, I don't really care any much about the rest of the sermon because the whole point of this is to lead you to that part right there. Um, Right now, this moment, you are not a child of God if you do not have faith in Christ Jesus, period. And there's normally a group this size, there's normally one or two in here or more who aren't true children of God, who even profess they are, proclaim they are, but they're not. My responsibility is to help you examine that for yourself. So I stop for a quick moment and I say, hey, look, sin is any disobedience to God, including not honoring him as father, not respecting him as master or Lord, not believing him. All these things are disobedience to God, okay? If you commit one sin, and there's a long list of things of how you can disobey God, if you commit one, it's as if you've committed all 613 of them, right? And, and, and so, what happens is somebody has this question. They say, well, then how can anybody be saved? Exactly. Nobody can be saved if you're trying to do it on your own. So if you're sitting over there like, well, I ain't got to believe in God. I'm just going to do right by the 613 commandments. Okay, good luck with that because if you, if you mess up one time, you've messed up for all of them, and all it takes is one time. One time sends you to hell. Got me? One, one time sends you to hell. And I was talking to a brother earlier, and I was like, if we're being honest, we don't have to teach our children how to be bad. We have to teach them how to be good. So we've been sinning for a long, long time, right? All right. So the creator of the universe has determined that sin has a, a, a ransom that has to be paid. 
because it separates you from God. Sin is what keeps you out of the presence of the Lord in heaven. Sin is what keeps you from dwelling eternally with the Father in heaven. So, okay, what's that price? Maybe I, can, maybe I can't keep the commandments, but maybe I can pay the price, right? Because I want to do it on my own so I don't have to uphold a whole bunch of stuff that I don't want to do. That's basically what we say, right? All right, he says death. <laughs> what? Yes, death. Death is the payment for your sin. Um, each sin <laughs> requires the payment of death. So even if you could die for this sin, you can't die for the mother sins, <laughs> right? Because you're already dead. You see what I'm saying? So there's only one solution. His name is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. He said, there's nobody on the earth ever who will be able to pay this price. There's nobody who will be able to keep the law perfectly. There's nobody who will be able to do all of this. So I'm going to come down and do it for them. Why? Because they deserve it. Wrong. (laughs) Because they earned it. Try again. Because I love them. So he goes to the cross willingly. Those nails did not keep him in the cross. He's God. You think the nails kept him in the cross? His love for you kept him on the cross. So I would go as far as to say this. Has, how many people in here have sinned ever? Okay, you put Jesus on the cross. You. If you've ever sinned, you put Jesus on the cross. Paul actually says it in Acts 2. He says, you nailed him to the cross. They're like, me? I wasn't even there. No, your sins. You nailed him to the cross. But he stayed on there willingly and died and was buried and resurrected. He overcame the grave. He overcame sin and said, hey, I've paid the price. It's just like when you go to the car lot and your credit is jacked up and they're like, you need a cosigner, right? <laughs> so you got to go and you like, look, your credit is perfect. Your credit is perfect. Mine is jacked up. Will you come cosign for me so that when they see my credit, they don't see mine, they see yours? That's Jesus. Because when you stand before God as a believer, he doesn't see you, he sees his son. This is the gospel. If you believe in this, then you have faith in Christ Jesus as Lord, Savior, Cosigner, whatever you want to call it. And as a result, you are a child of God, period. So let's stop there, period, okay? Period. That's it. That's all it is. Don't let the church... Don't let Rashad Cunningham add anything to that. As soon as I I add anything to that of other things you need to do, then at that point I've taken away from the gospel, I've added to the gospel, and it is no longer good news because now you got to do something else and it's not about what he did on the cross, okay? Nevertheless, Malachi 1.6, you still have to see this. Go back to Malachi 1.6. He says, but, but, if you are my child, and I am your father, then where is my honor? Where's the weight on my name? Where's the weight on my name? And he's looking at each and every one of you in this room who call yourselves believers and says, where is the heaviness to my name? Do you really honor God? And he goes on and he says, And if I am a master, this is like Adonai, like Lord, like Sarah called Abraham her Adonai, her Lord. If I am a master, where is my respect? Where's the respect due to me as Lord, as master? You call me your ruler, well then where's my respect? So I'm looking at everybody and say, okay, let's stop for a moment and examine this. Because I'm not telling you the things I'm about to tell you so that you can be saved, okay? And I'm not saying that you're not saved if you don't do these things, all right, because that's adding to the gospel, all right? But what I am saying is, at some point, belief births behavior. If God is my father, I'm going to honor him as my father because I actually see him as my father. If he's my master, I'm going to treat him like my master because I actually see him as my master. So the question becomes, hey, how are you treating God? How do you treat the weight of that title, Father? When you come through those doors and you singing for God, are you singing for the Father who has died for you, or are you too worried about how the song sounds? I'm asking. Because this is, 
Remember, worship comes from the base of worthyship. It's worth. You, you, when you worship God, you place worth on him. You place worth on his name. You, you, when I worship God, I am, I am showing others how worthy he is of whatever I am doing to worship him. What does your worship look like this morning? What does it truly look like this morning? Are you singing as if you're singing to the father who died for you, who did what your own earthly father couldn't do, wouldn't do in some cases? Are you singing to him or, or are, you just, are you just here saying, that's not my favorite song, that's not the one, that's not the groove I like, that's not the feel I like. They don't do it like they did in my other church. It was more of a rock concert or it was, they don't clap at this church. So I'm like, like, is that how you're here? Because in that case, well, then you ain't here to worship God. <laughs> you're here to be worshiped. That's what that is. And, and, and so I'm asking you, if God is your father, if you're sitting here and you say, I'm a child of God, prove it. Prove it. Let me, let me hear it. Let me see it. Like, like, like uh, let me see something, right? Like, I, I want to see that you actually are a child of God. Well, Rashad, how can I do that? Sing a song. <laughs> Let's just start with the basics. Sing a song. If you're a child of God, sing like you're singing to your dad. I don't know about y'all, but when I was a little kid, I, would, I couldn't wait to get home and tell my, my, show my dad my, my ABCs. You know what I mean? Dad, A-B, you know what I mean? Because he meant something to me. A, B, C, D, I just want you to see because you mean something to me. I want to show you what I can do. Or, or better yet, uh, back in the day, my mom would send me downstairs. Rashad, go tell your big brother and his friends, they need to quiet down. So I run downstairs, like, hey, y'all, y'all need to quiet down. <laughs> it's getting a little too loud down here. Y'all need to quiet this stuff down. So naturally, I'm like seven years younger than my oldest brother. He'd be like, man, shut up and go back upstairs and mind your business, right? So I'd run back upstairs and be like, you know, I didn't tell her that. I didn't say nothing about her. But I'd be like, I told them. They said, shut up and go mind my business and all that. So then my mom, because my, my mom had to wait, right? My mom had to wait on her name. My mom would be like, you go down there and you tell them I said they better quiet down. I'd run back downstairs. Hey, y'all. Tony would be like, shut up. I'd be like, hold on, hold on now. Y'all go on here this. Mama said, <laughs> y'all better shut up and quiet down and add a whole bunch of other stuff she didn't say. But look, <laughs> that's not the point, right? The point, uh, the, the point is this. The point is this. As soon as I said, mama said, they was like, Tony was like, hey, hey, man, turn the TV down and all that horse playing. Quit playing, y'all. Like, I'm going to make y'all go home. Like, cut it out, right? Because the weight came in the name, Right? The weight came in the name. Y'all know what it's like growing up, whether it's your mom or your dad. One of the spouses said, wait till your daddy get home. You just wait till your daddy get home. There was weight in that. In my house, it was, wait till your mama get home. I'd be like, no, why we got to include mama? There was one time, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't say this first service, and this is old, old me, okay? But there was one time here in Brownsburg, I was at a party, minor in consumption. Kids, do not do that, okay? I was at a party. I was 15 years old. I got, I got, the party got busted. I'm 15 years old. The cops come, and they're like, hey, we're calling your mama. I was like, no! <laughs> Take me to juvenile! <laughs> Take me to jail! Take me to juvenile! Do not call my mama! <laughs> like anything but calling my mama, right? If she was here, she'd say, I remember that. I remember that. I was like, please don't call my mama. Y'all don't know my mama. You... I'd be better off in juvie. If you don't put me in juvie, she going to jail. <laughs> like, so, so she had weight. Like, I honored her. And even today, as a woman who's battling cancer and, and is just, you know, really shrunk down, and I still say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Oh, here I'm on my way, mama. I, I honor that woman because of the weight in her name. God says, if you can do that for your mama, who's failed you, let you down, is a sinner, and all, why wouldn't you do that for me? And I'm looking at you and saying, exactly. Exactly. You can do all of that for your earthly parents, but you can't do that for your heavenly father? And you call yourself a child of God? He goes, where's my honor? 
Let somebody say something about my mama, right? Let anybody say something about my mama and it's own, right? But let somebody say something about God. I'm like, huh? He just, uh, you know, whatever, right? I'm not telling you to go out here and fight everybody that says something negative about God, but stand on your own too for him because he's your father, right? Like, don't, don't and, and, and then here's the sad part, though. Most of the time, the reason people feel comfortable talking bad about God in front of you is because they don't know you belong to God. Think about it. I always tell people, yo, if somebody comes to me telling me about what somebody said about me, I'm worried about the person that came to me. Why do they feel comfortable talking to you about me? Hmm, that makes me worry about you. It's the same thing. Why do they feel comfortable talking to you any old kind of way about God? It's because, well, the way I'm living, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know I belong to God. You don't know I'm a son of God. You see what I'm saying? People, people may talk about me. They don't talk about me in front of Genesis because Genesis lets you know in a heartbeat. I'm a Cunningham, all right? My family crazy. My daddy crazy. And if he ain't crazy, the members of his church is crazy, so you better watch what you're about to say, right? It's, 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 it's similar to that, though, right? It's similar. Like, you cannot talk bad about, you know, God in front of me. And it's funny. When you put that flag up and you stand on God, people start watching what they say around you. They're like, oh, I didn't mean to cuss. I'm like, it's okay. But you, it's because of the way you honor God. They're being transformed by that without even realizing that. So it, are you a child if he's your father? And he says, so, so hello, my name is dishonor. Okay, that's my first point, dishonor. Hello, my name is dishonor. You, like, if you're living this way, then you are dishonoring your father. But the next one is, hello, my name is disrespect. And that's the second part. Now, remember, a servant would have been a willing servant in this scenario. Uh, you have, sla- like, Context is everything, right? We're not talking about slaves of the African-Americans with um, being brought over here and going through the 400 years of all that. We're not talking about that. If you put that context on this, this sounds horrible, okay? You got to go into the context of what it was. Slavery back then in the Hebrew times, a lot of times you literally um, owed something. So the only way you could pay it off is by giving yourself up as a servant. It's no different than debt today, right? Or... Um, there's another type called a bond servant where, hey, I've paid off my debt, but you treated me so good as master that I want to nail my ear to the doorpost to signify that I willingly want to be yours forever. This is the servant we're talking about, a servant who willingly looks at somebody and calls him Lord, master, just like us. Nobody forced you to believe in God. Nobody for it doesn't work that way. If you were forced to believe in God, you probably don't believe in God. <laughs> you, you willingly, willingly, uh, you willingly chose to be a Christian. Nobody forced you and said either or, and if they did, I'm hurting for you, and I'm telling you that's not the way we do this, okay? So going back to Malachi 1.6, he says, hey, if, if I am a master, where is my respect? And we want to look at this like master was a title of authority, not necessarily ownership, but it kind of, it goes hand in hand. So 1 Corinthians 6.20, I want you to see how we're servants. It says, we have been bought, we just talked about this with the gospel, we've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. He's saying, hey, somebody bought you. Well, bought me? I ain't no servant. I ain't no, yeah, yeah, no, no. If you believe in Christ, you were bought with a price. It's called death on the cross. He bought you. He bought you with his life. So glorify, honor, respect God. In this context, it was with your body and everything you do, but in everything you do, respect God. Um, another, Matthew 6, 24 says it like this. It says, hey, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. Let me repeat that. No one can serve two masters. So if you're out there thinking through your mind how you can do it, it doesn't work. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted, devoted change to one, and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. So here we go. If God is your master, your ruler, think of business, okay? This is about to hurt everybody in the room who has a job, all right? So just take it. First service took it, you're going to take it too. All right, here we go. How many of you, when you go to work, live by a certain set of rules and standards and you obey them so you can keep your job. Uh-huh, yeah, right? And anybody who has a job has to do it the way that 
their manager, master, tells them to do it to keep the job, right? Okay, okay. So, help me out here. Why is it if I offer money and you're getting a nice salary or you're getting a nice per hour, you're on time to work, but you ain't on time to church? Ouch. Ouch. And, and, and I'm not talking down to anybody because if I wasn't a pastor, I'd probably be late too. I'm sorry. But I'm working on that. I'm working on that. But look, now, now let's take the laughing out of this real quick. I mean this right here. Why is it that if, if it's your workplace where they're paying you, whatever they're paying you, you'll be there on time. But you can't get to church on time. As if God didn't pay something even more than the manager at work is paying you, right? All right, maybe you got kids. I get it. I bet you they get to school on time. Why can't they be to church on time? I bet you wake up a little early to get them dressed so that you can get to where you got to go. So why can't you wake up a little earlier to be here on time? Once again, this ain't got nothing to do with your salvation. This has everything to do with respect. Go back to Malachi 1.6. This has everything to do with respect. He says, why don't you respect me? Why don't you show me respect? It was a reverent fear. So yes, reverence. Oh, wow, the awe of God. But yes, fear. I actually have a reverent fear of God. See, when you're paying me, I fear I may lose my money. So because I actually believe that I may lose this money, I'm going to behave in a certain way that shows I believe I might lose this money. The verse we just looked at says you can't serve God in money. Uh-oh, you see this? This is what it looks like. This is why it's confusing to me that we come in Sunday after Sunday after Sunday saying a whole bunch of stuff, but when I need people to serve, they either don't serve or they're halfway in, halfway out. But if that was your job, you, went, you couldn't be halfway in or halfway out because you'd be fired. Help me. Like, help me, right? Like, like, like help me understand why we serve our earthly masters and respect our earthly masters better than we do our Lord Jesus Christ. Does anybody have an answer that makes sense in this context? I, I doubt it. And if you do, talk to me after church because I'm convicted. <laughs> but this is real. Why is it when, when a dollar is placed on it, when a dollar amount is put on it, or whatever else you can benefit from it, then you're there on time, early, everything you got, putting, try, you know, trying to get other people to invest into what you're doing, all this stuff. Um, before you even have a job, what do you do? You go to school, you get that education, you stay up all night studying them college books but won't read your Bible. Right? You go into debt. $40,000, $80,000 debt to get this degree, but you won't spend any money on a book that the pastor asked you to read. That need to be free. Like, think about this, right? This is what he's looking at. He's looking at us. And he said, yo, where's my respect? We got this thing. Well, I don't live in the hood no more, so I guess I can't say that. We got this thing in, in hip-hop culture. There's, a, there's a, a CEO of a company, and he, he coined this term. He said, put some respect on my name. He said, put some respect on my name. Put some reverence, some fear on my name when you talk about me. I'm looking at you and saying, man, put some respect on God's name. You, you do all these things for your earthly managers, bosses, see? And for some of y'all, your earthly masters is your kids. You do anything for them, but you won't do nothing for the Lord. You ain't got time. You ain't got the space. You ain't got the energy. And we're going to see next week. We're going to see how he talks about, he says, why is it when you are all in, you bring me the worst of what you got and keep the best for yourself? That, oh, that's next week, though. That's next week. We ain't going to, this week is enough by itself, right? So I'm asking you, seriously, why do I have to beg people to serve in a ministry and commit when you call them Lord? I get it. For anybody here who doesn't believe in God, this is not for you, <laughs> This is for the ones who call him Lord, who call him Father. I'm talking to you, believer. Hello, my name is hypocrite. Because I call him Father, 
I call him master and Lord, but I ain't doing nothing he tells me to do, right? And, it, and, and, and what you start seeing is this is a relationship problem. This ain't really got nothing to do with what church you go to, what the preacher preaches like, how the music ministry sings, and what colors are the seats. This ain't got nothing to do with this. It's a you thing. You can't look at nobody else and blame anybody else. Matter of fact, and some of you right now are thinking about somebody else and how this is what they need. No, this is you. <laughs> Stop thinking about whoever you're thinking about. This is you. This is you. Because here's the thing. Let me tell you something. I'm good, right? So, like, I say that not, cock, not, not being conceited, but I want to be real with you. God blessed me to come into pastoral ministry by being bivocational, meaning I had a full-time job, okay? That means when I first started pastoring here, I was working a full-time job, making money, and I was very good at that. So if the people leave because they don't want to respect God, I just get my job back. I can still pastor this church. So I ain't got to tiptoe around this verse. You see what I'm saying? So, so I'm going to stay right here for a moment and let you know we don't need your money. And we don't need you to be here on time for us. I don't need you to be here to make me look good. I don't need these seats filled to make me look good. I don't need your money so I can live comfortable. I can do that without this church doing anything. The question is about you and your relationship with God, not me. If you are right now giving or serving for me, stop. Wrong person to do it for. I'm going to let you down real quick. Probably already done it. You just didn't realize it. This is about God. Okay? So why don't you give? Why don't you serve? Why can't you make time for the Lord? I mean, he's your Lord, right? He's your father, right? So prove it. What you believe will birth your behavior. But here's the, but here's the flip of that. Listen, check this out. Here's the flip. How you behave will birth somebody else's belief. Think about that. The way you, Christian, live your life in your household around your kids, not prioritizing God, showing up when you want to, never serving in a ministry, never reading your Bible, listen to whatever you want on the radio, watch whatever you want on TV. If the kids are watching you saying, so that's what being a Christian is? Okay, cool. You, your, your behavior has birthed what I believe about what being a respectful and honoring Christian is. Basically, I can do what I want as long as I feel good about it, and then I just need to come to church and say, ooh, that hurt, but not change nothing. It's quiet. I'm hoping that's for a good reason. <laughs> so, so, so think about this. What you behave will birth beliefs, starting in your home, children, spouse, maybe you have a spouse who doesn't believe or isn't here, yet they're watching you, okay? And they're like, well, why do I got to go to church to do the same thing you're doing? You're dishonoring God. You're disrespecting God. I don't have to go to church to do that. I can do that at home, right? And, 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 and hey, you're never there, and you don't spend time with the people, so why do I, like, if you don't spend time with God's people, why do I need to spend time with God's people? Well, because, you know, God says, but you're not doing it. Well, eh. You see what I'm saying? So the way you behave will birth their belief. And, and so, so, hello, my name is dishonor. Hello, my name is disrespect. And finally, hello, my name is disgrace. Basically, you shame the Lord. You bring shame on his name instead of honor and glory to his name. And I want you to understand this part. Go back to Malachi 1.6 as I'm closing out. I'm sorry. I threw the gospel in there, so it took a little longer, but I'll always throw the gospel in there, so deal with it. Uh, <laughs> It says right here, and if I am a master, where is my respect, says the Lord of hosts. That means the Lord of the heavens. And he says, O priest who despise my name. Now, some people will read that and say, oh, oh, woo. Okay, so that's just for Rashad because I'm not a priest. <laughs> you know, the, the modern-day priests are the pastors of the church. So all that stuff Rashad just went like this, that's actually for him because I'm just a member of the church. I'm just a baby Christian. I'm not a priest, Right? Well, okay, let's go see what Peter has to say about that. In 1 Peter 2.9, I want you to see this real quick. 1 Peter 2.9, Peter says, but you are a chosen race. That was last week, right, when we were looking at Jacob and Esau. You are a chosen race. And what does he say right there? A, a, a royal what? Talk about, talk about, talk about. <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm not reading the wrong thing. You are a chosen race and a royal what? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
And he's talking to every believer. Every single believer. If you have claimed Christ as your Lord and Savior, if God is your Father, if you are a child or a servant, Gabby, you're a priest. You're a priest. You're a priest, Larry. Hey, Dave, you're a priest, bro. I'm a priest. Man, you're a priest. Corey, priest. Whole bunch of priests. This is what you are. So when you look at that, he's looking at you saying, in the context, Old Testament context, he would say, hey, priests, because they were set apart. You're supposed to be the example. So if you're the ones dishonoring me, if you're the ones disrespecting me, if you're the ones being disgraceful to me, then of course the people are following your lead. But in today, today he said, hey, you, all of you who think that you're just basic, no, you're a royal priesthood who are supposed to be a light for the world. So when you dishonor, when you disrespect, when you disgrace, no wonder the world won't come into this church. No wonder they won't believe. They're following you. Think about that. As you go on this week, it should change something in the way that we're about to sing the song we're about to sing. Come on up. A song called Simplicity. The song says literally, hey, God, you are the reason I sing. Not because this is my jam, right? And, and like, think about this. What if the song you hate is like God's favorite, right? Where you like, well, I would sing that, but that's not my jam. And God's like, but it's mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you would sing it like never before, right? Well, let me tell you something. All praise is God's favorite. Think about that. The song you hate, that's his favorite too. So why aren't you singing? If he really is the father, if he really is the master, and if you really are the priest, why aren't you leading by example for us who are in this room even who don't believe in any of this stuff because we're looking at you and you don't seem excited about it. So why should I be excited about it? That's what this message is about. Hello, my name is Hypocrite. Oh 
no, seriously. This is what it looks like to those of you who are thinking, you know, I really want to serve, but I can't get over myself. This man, second time and in front of all these people, it's not easy being up here. If you don't know what it's like, it's not easy being up here. And he said, I don't know much about it, but I can make a rhythm. So I'm going to make a rhythm the best I can and trust that the Lord loves it. And he does. So I praise God for that. I'm asking all of you to go out and live a life that honors your father, that respects your Lord, and that says, I am a priest. I'm an actual priest of Christianity. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for such an amazing morning. You truly are the reason that we sing. You are the reason that we breathe, Father. So please allow us to keep that on the forefront of our minds as we go out into this world. Allow us to make changes in our minds and our heart right now. Allow us to be renewed by your message that we're going to walk out these doors with a newfound weight that is placed on your name, honoring you with our time, talent, and treasures. Not just in this building, not just for this, this name, Church on the Rock, but Father, for you in everything that we do. May this not be something we attach to our lives, but may this be exactly who we are, your church. I thank you for the safe travels here. I ask for safe travels back. Thank you, Lord, for the blessings that are here. And if anybody is here, Father, under the sound of my voice that does not know you as Father or know you as Lord, may they first have that conversation with you. And if we may be vessels available to guide them along the way, place us in that path so that we can lead them to you. It's in your precious and beautiful son, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. You guys have a blessed week. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock in Brownsburg, Indiana. If you want any more information about our church family, our pastor, or where we meet, please visit our website, www.churchontherockbb.com.